Chapter Ten of Stephen Mitchell's Journey by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten: Obstructions. Miss Ransom sat opposite her brother at the breakfast table. She studied his thoughtful, somewhat sad face critically before she asked her question. During the Sabbath, she had carefully refrained from questions of all sorts and had soothed and ministered to the young pastor who she felt was her special charge, to her heart's content. But now it was Monday morning, and there were certain things which Helen Ransom meant to accomplish that week, if possible. Moreover, she felt that if there was any one thing which her brother needed more than another, it was to be aroused to a sense of his duties and responsibilities in certain directions, and to be drawn away from his brooding thoughts in certain other directions. The question she advanced was one of her means toward these ends. Maxwell, have you done any calling in the direction of Hilton Hill? The minister shook his head, and his sister could see that he winced at the question. After a moment's hesitation, he said, I have not done much calling in the country in any direction as yet, but there are very few people to reach on the Hilton Hill road. Mr. Bascom told me he did not know of any who could be said to belong to us, and he lives where the road forks and knows all that neighborhood. I met one from that region yesterday morning. He was in church with his sister, and he told me of others, one family in particular in which he has evidently become interested. From what he said, they need to have others interest themselves in their welfare." Perhaps Mr. Bascom is not entirely reliable as regards people in whom you would be interested, Max. He impresses me as a man who might gauge the importance of people by their standing in society or their bank account. I promised that young fellow that we would come out and call this week if we could. It is going to be very pleasant today, I think. Couldn't we go this afternoon? I am afraid you will find it hard driving, Helen. The roads are what people in the country call heavy. It must be all up and down hill, and through a stony part of the country. Ah, but I want to ride. Mr. Dunlap told me of a beautiful riding horse to be had, and I am just longing to get into the saddle again. The minister was silent for so long that his sister, who had purposely refrained from looking at him while she was speaking, turned presently anxious eyes in his direction. His own were bent upon his plate, though nothing on it seemed to be claiming his attention. He looked up at last with a faint smile, seeming to feel the anxiety in his sister's eyes which were bent upon him. "'Aren't you rather hard on me?' he asked deprecatingly. She shook her head. "'You are hard on yourself, Max,' yes and hard on me is it fair to keep me from an exercise of which i am so fond and which has been urged upon us both because there she came to a sudden pause no he said firmly after a longer silence than before it is not fair i do not mean to do it i fully intend to rise above this feeling but it did not seem to me that i could just yet but you can, she said, 
with the feeling which possesses a surgeon who has resolved upon the importance of probing a wound at whatever cost of pain rather than with the air of a blunderer who did not know he was giving pain max i know by experience that when you allow such things to trammel you they have power to grow harder and harder i do not believe that you intend to let this sorrow hamper your life or retard your work in any way and i long to see you take hold of it with the strength of will which you possess it does not seem to me that i can wait any longer but she had to wait some minutes again before she was answered it was certainly not the minister's breakfast which was claiming his attention this morning he cut his steak with exceeding care as if he were preparing it for a delicate child but he left it untasted and proceeded to stirring his coffee mechanically i sometimes think he said at last clearing his voice for its huskiness was very perceptible that gertrude was right that it was all a mistake and i am not fit for the ministry there is work on every hand that ought to be done but i cannot tell you how i shrink from it in my study and in the pulpit i can forget myself but this mingling with people is something for which i feel totally unfit the eternal round of calls which seems to be necessary the saying over the same inane sentences from house to house and the beginning again when one has gotten through it alive and doing it over the very thought of all this weighs me to the ground sometimes as i say i feel that gertrude was right and that i am not called to the work if he had expected to shock his sister he was mistaken she turned her eyes away from his face and looked out upon the lawn so far from being shocked was she that if she had not feared to pain her brother she could have smiled over the exceeding morbidness of such a confession helen ransom was the minister's twin sister and felt herself almost a part of him his other self he used fondly to call her through babyhood childhood early youth up to the time when the brother entered the theological seminary they had not been separated for a day scarcely for an hour even through his theological course his sister kept such steady pace with his mental development reading the books which he read and so far as possible studying the books which he studied that it hardly seemed a separation she felt that she knew him thoroughly she believed in him thoroughly she believed that if ever a man was called of god to the work of the gospel ministry maxwell ransom was that man she knew that when his system had rallied thoroughly from the shock of a heavy sorrow which had fallen upon him he would realize his call again as he had in the past in the meantime she must wait patiently and plan as skillfully as she could it is not surprising that you shrink from calls she said quietly if that is your conception of them going from house to house saying nothings month after month and year after year must indeed be a dreary prospect but max what if you go from house to house reaching consciences turning wayward footsteps holding out helping hands he shook his head the look of pain upon his face growing deeper i do not know he said at last 
i do not understand myself i seem to have lost interest in humanity i used to have an ambition as you very well know to reach people help them lift them up as you say but i seem to have lost it sometimes it almost seems to me that i do not care whether people advance or not it is this condition of mind which leads me occasionally to feel what i have just confessed to you that i have mistaken my calling maxwell do you care for jesus christ there was no mistaking the intense earnestness of the questioner nor her tenderness her voice was as sweet as a chime of bells yet she threw all the strength of her nature into that one brief question and waited he looked at her then with a startled searching look as if he wished to get behind the question and see what prompted it yes he said after a moment i have not lapsed to that degree i do care for jesus christ but for him it seems to me there are times when i could not live that is all said his sister i was sure of it but i wanted you to remind yourself and then to think in connection with it of what you have been saying caring for him you are bound to care for his interests you would be under just as strong obligations you know if you were a lawyer or a bricklayer he cared for people and you must because you are his servant his steward his lover i am not in the least afraid of you maxwell eventually but i am troubled often to think how your conscience will upbraid you one of these days when you rouse to the fact that you are wasting time cannot we go to the hilton neighborhood this afternoon yes he said looking at her again and this time breaking into a smile which a wife might have envied we will go to the hilton neighborhood or anywhere else you please and we will ride there i will make inquiries in regard to the horse you speak of did you say mr dunlap told you and helen thank you i don't know how it is but you seem to know just what to say and just the right moment in which to say it i have not really meant to shirk though i have felt my unfitness utterly of late i believe you did not come to me too soon after which he left his scarcely tasted breakfast and went to his study his sister waited until the door had fairly closed after him before she drew a long quivering sigh a sort of escape valve for a great deal of pent-up anxiety and murmured under her breath poor fellow no i did not come too soon you are not to understand that maxwell ransom was a sentimentalist or a misanthrope on the contrary he was a strong-souled strong-nerved young man who had given himself utterly and gladly to the work of the gospel ministry his years of preparation had been joyful ones the preparation itself conscientious in the extreme nor was he one of those who in their zeal to furnish the soul and mind forget the needs of the body it had been a joy to him to realize that he would be able to bring to the work a well-disciplined body prepared by intelligent training to serve faithfully there was really not a morbid streak in this young man's nature 
and yet i am aware that i have presented him to you in a picture which suggests weakness oversensitiveness and disappointment it becomes necessary to make an explanation although in order to understand it you would need to do what one can never fully accomplish put yourself in another's place and think his thoughts also i ought to be able to introduce to you gertrude temple a very beautiful girl who in addition to her beauty and grace had about her an indescribable charm which attracted and held captive many besides maxwell ransom still i am obliged to confess that he saw in her not herself but what he imagined her to be have you never known a strong pure nature who out of his own inner consciousness had evolved an ideal friend and then at some period of his life had selected a very faulty and it might be in your eyes very commonplace creature and said to his heart this is she my ideal the human embodiment of all that i have dreamed this he does not wilfully but with a stupidity that to those who do not understand seems inexcusable and he walks with blinded eyes by her side seeing nothing whatever of the imperfections which are perfectly plain to the eyes of others if you know any such persons you understand to a degree what maxwell ransom did not that he was one of those unreasonable mortals who expect to find perfection in human nature not that he did not see what he supposed ought to be called faults in gertrude temple but he saw less in her than in others and the imperfections which she had were those which he fully believed time and grace could and would smooth away and she was all the time in his estimation so fully above and beyond himself that he often lost himself in amazement over her choice for she made deliberate choice of the young theological student she was a schoolgirl when he first met her pursuing her studies in the same town where the theological seminary was located both were very busy he with actual hard work she with a thousand things which had nothing to do with her standing in class yet with such a pretty way of imagining that it was geometry and philosophy and matters of like character which hard pressed her as to keep her student lover in a perpetual anxiety lest she should overstudy he might have better feared that a butterfly would overtax its nerves it would have been impossible in that stage of his career to have made young ransom believe that he was happier in the brief spaces of time he was able to give to the lady of his choice than he would have been had he been at leisure to know her better as it was he was satisfied and royally happy and no more sincere prayer did he offer night and morning than the one in which he thanked god for this last crowning gift the love of a pure true woman the first shadow which fell across their lives was during the christmas holidays gertrude went home of course and the plan had been that mr ransom as soon as he had paid his respects to his own home would follow her and make the more intimate acquaintance of her family but it came to pass that at home the theological student found work which held him his father was the pastor of a large and important country church and there was a revival in progress 
meetings were being held twice each day and expected help had been detained by sickness the father overworked and heavily burdened in several ways was breaking under the strain and hailed as a father would the relief which the coming of his son would bring the path of duty was never plainer to maxwell ransom than during those three weeks when he was held steadily to the work in his father's parish there was a sense of course in which it was a disappointment not to be able to make his promised visit but there was another sense in which he gloried in the disappointment and believed that gertrude would join him in his joy what a blessed opportunity had been given him for gathering experiences for his life work you can understand he wrote to gertrude how in one sense it is anything but a trial to be held here in this way the meetings are wonderful dear every night as i go over the day's record i say to my heart oh if gertrude were only here how she would enjoy these opportunities i sometimes feel as though the experience i am getting now will be worth more to me than a whole year at the theological seminary and the interest instead of abating as it was supposed it would during the actual christmas week seems to be on the increase last night more than forty persons arose for prayers many of them heads of families and a number of them young men whose lives have been hard and whose mothers wept and prayed over them and felt at times that it was almost in vain think of it gertrude what it was to see such rise for prayer and to meet them afterward in the inquiry room it was crowded to overflowing my dear one if you could only be with me during this blessed time what a daily hourly joy life would be to me when in addition to all that i have told you i add that my poor father who has been tempted all the early part of the winter to overwork is really physically unable to carry on one entire meeting alone and just at this point seems unable to secure other help you will understand how impossible it is for me to get away even for a few days there is a side to it gertrude which makes me more sorry than the mere words placed on paper can tell but i need not even try to explain you will understand it is blessed for me to remember that we are one in this as in all other things End of chapter ten